when Mr. Blair came in unannounced, we were all pretty gobsmacked. So said HMV store manager Clive Smith, following Tony Blair's surprise visit to his Prince's Street store just a week past on Friday. Our customer helper approached him, Clive continues, it was only then we realised he wanted to buy copies of the Band-Aid single. Before long, news of the PM's purchase was being broadcast up and down the UK, generating yet more publicity for the song Do They Know It's Christmas? And no doubt leaving some sales assistants with a story to tell. Roughly 2,000 years ago, a somewhat similar and yet far more incredible visitation took place. It took place unexpectedly, not in the heart of a city centre such as Edinburgh, but out on a quiet hillside just beyond a little village known as Bethlehem. There, a group of shepherds, also on the job, were suddenly confronted by a heavenly being who brought them a message of good news and great joy for all people. So, if you like tales of the unexpected, and if you like surprises, and we all like surprises, then listen in and learn from the story of the shepherd's surprise. We've already read about it in the Bible, but I do invite you to reopen your Bible at Luke chapter 2 and verses 8 to 20. Again, it's on page 1027 in the Pew Bibles. And just before we delve into this, let's ask for God's help. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this amazing story about ordinary people receiving an extraordinary message. We thank you that good news came and still comes to bad people. So, Father, would you convey this good news tonight to everyone here by your Holy Spirit. Help us to really hear it, truly understand it, and fully respond to it. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The greatest surprise of the shepherd's story is not that they were visited by an angel. No doubt to those shepherds who encountered an angel in the dead of night, that was a shocking experience. But if you had been living at the time and had heard the story, you would have been more surprised, I am sure, that the good news of Christmas should come to shepherds at all. And we'll see why that's surprising as we go through the story. But as we look at this story, I want you to notice three stages in the shepherd's encounter with the good news of Christmas. First of all, notice that they hear the good news. Second, that they check the good news in faith. And thirdly, that they spread the good news. So firstly, they hear it, it comes to their ears. Secondly, they check it, they believe it in their hearts. And thirdly, they spread the good news, they finally take it to their lips and they spread it with those 
around them. Well, we begin with the fact that, first of all, they hear the good news. If you are among the one million people who will be working on Christmas Day this year throughout the UK, take some comfort from the fact that on the very first Christmas Day, some shepherds were at work. We meet these unnamed individuals in verse 8, where we're simply told that they were living out in the fields nearby. That is, nearby Bethlehem. And it was probably no exaggeration that they lived quite literally out in the fields, in the open. Back in those days, and I'm sure in some parts of the world still today, shepherding was a 24 by 7 occupation. If you left your sheep, your prized assets, out in the open, they would be vulnerable to thieves who wanted to steal and sell them on, and to wild animals who wanted to capture and kill them. So you stayed with your sheep, you protected your sheep, and you watched over them by day, and perhaps especially at night, when they were peculiarly vulnerable. And this is exactly what we find the shepherds doing at the start of our story. Keeping watch over their flocks by night. They probably did this in a sort of rota system. Uh, You sleep, I'll watch. Or preferably, I'll sleep, you watch. Now, we really have no idea if this was a, a silent night, as the carol suggests. Personally, I can't imagine much happening on a quiet hillside just outside a sleepy village in the middle of the night. And so it's probably an absolute shock when the shepherds realise they are not alone. An angel is at hand. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Have you ever been absolutely surprised by something? A group of people just spring a surprise party on you. We uh, were just celebrating the other week the birthday of my mum and it was a landmark birthday for her. Well, uh, we travelled through to the other side of Glasgow and she was staying in a hotel with my dad for an overnight and she thought she was having a quiet meal just with my dad, just the two of them. And some of the family went through with party poppers and all the rest of it and we gave my mum the fright of her life. However, about 30 seconds of hysteria later, she came back down to earth and she was comforted, I suppose, by the fact that there was familiar faces. She wanted to spend the evening with her family. But no such consolation for the shepherds. Not least because they probably realised something of their own moral character. They probably felt a bit more like what you do when a policeman unexpectedly turns up on your doorstep and you think, what have I done now or have I been caught? Troubles ahead. Shepherds, you see, didn't have a good reputation. Peter was sharing this morning that shepherds couldn't give evidence in court. Their words simply wouldn't be trusted. One writer comments, they were often held in contempt and considered nothing more than roving vagabonds and thieves. If you were a thief, and a messenger of God appeared to you, what kind of message would you be expecting? Probably bad news. However, against all expectations, the message character is very good. For the angel reassures, do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Now, what kind of message could convey that kind of character? Well, the angel unpacks the message and explains the message content. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, I'm one of these boring people that sometimes watches the news or watches it every night, in fact. And I am a bit picky with news summaries. I like them to get to the point quite quickly, to be succinct. On the other hand, I don't like them to leave out any important information. And this summary, this news summary, is tremendously compact. And yet it is pregnant with meaning. It answers all sorts of questions that the shepherds could have had. For example, to the question, when? The angel says, today. This was today's news, up to the minute. If you ever picked up a newspaper and maybe just read for a few seconds, or even read the whole paper from front to back, and you put it on the table and you read the date and realise it was yesterday's news, you feel robbed. This was today's news coming to shepherds. There was no Sky TV or things like that in this day. The shepherds also find an answer to the question, where? In the town of David, another name for Bethlehem. This was local news, even though relevant for the whole world. And what about the what? What was the news? What was the headline? Well, the angel sums it up. A saviour has been born to you. Now, that sounds quite strange, doesn't it? A baby has been born, and yet that is somehow good news for you. The angel explains this is no ordinary child. He is a saviour. Who is he? He is Christ the Lord. Now, I need to interrupt the story here to give you a bit of background about this saviour Christ. And who the shepherds would have understood this to mean. You see, for hundreds of years, the Jews had been waiting for a remarkable individual to arrive. Someone whom God had promised to come and be ruler over God's people, ruling his people his way. And most importantly, this individual would come to save the people from their greatest need. Your greatest need, as well as theirs. To save them from their sins. Now that leads to another question. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, what are sins? It's a bit of an old-fashioned word. When Jesus was born, Joseph was told by another angel to name his son Jesus, meaning Saviour, because he would save his people from their sins. So, what are sins? Well, very simply, in the Bible, sin is the attitude and action which rejects God's rule over our lives. It is outwardly seen as we disobey God's instructions for our lives, such as the Ten Commandments, for example, when we break them. It's when we push God off the throne of our lives and we take up res residence there. It's when we say, my will be done, not thy will. That's sin. Now, if you've never committed the smallest sin told the smallest lie, if you've never shunned God, you have nothing to worry about. 
No, not even the judgment which comes in the end because of sin. Because the Bible tells us that sin always ends in God's retribution, God's judgment. And of course the problem is, if you're anything like me, you know that you're not perfect. Far from it. And moreover, the Bible also disillusions us because it tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now that's bad news for every single one of us here tonight. But here's the good news. Jesus was born to be our saviour. And not only did he come as a baby, as Philip was reminding us, he grew to be a man. And as a man, he went to a cross and was crucified to bear our sins. He traded places with us on that cross and bore the punishment we deserved for our sins in his body. He absorbed the wrath of God due for our sins so that we don't have to. It's great news. It's a message we need to hear, not just at Christmas, but every day of our lives. It's good news for bad people. Most of you probably know this song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So the song begins. Perhaps you don't know the story of the man behind the song, John Newton. John Newton was the son of a slave trader who himself became a foul-mouthed slave ship captain. Following a life-threatening storm, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He accepted the good news. And later he gave up his job and he became a church minister. The most surprising fact about John Newton's life was that he eventually joined with his friend, a politician named William Wilberforce, in the campaign to abolish slavery his old profession. He died at 82 years of age and not long before his death he said this to his family and friends. My memory is nearly gone but I remember two things that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great saviour. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I ask you, have you heard this good news for bad people? That you are a great sinner like I am, but that Christ is a great saviour? If so, you should receive it like you would your most anticipated Christmas gift. Notice what the shepherds do. They not only hear the news, but secondly, they check the good news in faith. You know, some information you receive requires no response at all. If I were to say to you tonight that Edinburgh is the capital of Scotland, I wouldn't expect that news to change your life. I mean, it's true, but it's just not life-changing. However, if I said to you this evening that this building, where we are, was on fire, which I hasten to add it's not, I would expect you would respond to that and you would head straight for the exits. The Christmas good news belongs to that second variety. It is not just a message containing facts that we should lodge in our minds. 
It is not just something that should go in one ear and out the other. It's a message we should respond to. And this is why, surely, the shepherds are given directions so that they can respond to the message and seek out the baby Jesus. The directions come in the form of a sign. The sign to show them, I would imagine, who the baby was, make sure they got the right one, is that they will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. It's deliberately unusual and incredible that the saviour of the world should be found in an animal's feeding trough. But the angels, now not one, but a crowd, confirms this to be true. The first Christmas choir sing the first Christmas carol. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to men on earth, on whom his favour rests. And with the song still ringing in the shepherd's ears, the angels now depart. Now, here is the crunch point of the story. What would the shepherds now do? You see, this was no foregone conclusion. Although the heavenly vision had surely been impressive, earthly concerns were still pressing. From a human point of view, it would have been ludicrous, would it not, to have left their vulnerable flocks in the middle of the night on a hillside. To go immediately would be, well, some people would say foolishness, and other people would say faith. Yet their response is one of faith. For they say, let's go. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Note that the shepherds don't say, let's go to see if this thing is true. See that? Instead they say, let us go and see this thing that has happened. You see, they don't go to verify the story. They go to see and venerate the Saviour. They check out what they believe to be the case, to be true. And they are richly rewarded for their search. It seems that very quickly they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Just as predicted. No wonder they later could say in verse 20 that they had found everything just as they had been told. Friends, we need to learn from the shepherds. They teach us that hearing the good news about Jesus is not enough. They show in practice that believing the good news must be the response to it. Let's say you're wanting to cross a bridge. You wanted to walk over to the other side, but you're, you're not sure that the bridge will hold your weight. Well, what could you do to check that? Well, there's various things. I suppose you could do some external tests without stepping onto the bridge. You could guesstimate. If you were really cruel, you could get some friends and force them to cross the bridge and see whether it breaks. But at the end of the day, until you walk across the bridge, you will never know if it will hold your weight. Nikki, my wife and I, we went on a holiday last summer down south and we did something we hadn't ever done before, I don't think. We booked the holiday on the internet. It's always a risk. Uh, what you get if you've ever done that, you get a 
couple of pictures, never as many as you would like. You don't see all the rooms and you get a description. So we booked up the holiday and we were just a little concerned. Would it be everything that it has been promised? So what did we do? Well, we could have stayed in Edinburgh, but that didn't seem too attractive. So we got in the car, we made the journey, and we arrived. And when we got there, thankfully, it was just as had been described. In fact, it was a little bit better than even the brochure. Friend, Christianity is no different. You can wait around in the hillside for the remaining years of your life waiting for 101% evidence that will never come until you make the trip. God confirms and confirms and confirms the truth of his word as we make the journey. Speak to Christians who have stepped out in faith and they will tell you that to be their experience. So can I ask you, have you stepped out in faith? Have you begun the journey of trust? Or are you still on the hillside? Saying it's more familiar here. It's maybe, it's maybe dark and there's maybe not a lot going on, but I'm used to it. You see, the shepherds leave what is familiar and safe and make risky, adventurous steps towards Bethlehem where the baby lies. And in finding the baby, their faith grows more and more. And their boldness increases. So finally we see them as they spread the good news. Here's a surprise in the shepherd's story. They told it. The shepherds, not angels, not good auditors, not morally upright people, but shepherds became those who would be proclaimers of the good news. But when they had seen him, they spread the news Uh, the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Probably not just at what they said but the fact that they said it. Now I want to speak particularly just for a few moments to those of you who are Christians. God's plan is not to spread the message about Jesus via the mouth of angels. That sounds like a good plan to me. But it's not God's plan. So if you are a Christian and you have family and friends who are not, here's a fact. This Christmas, they will not hear about Jesus unless you or some other Christian tells them. You see, too often, as I examine my own life, I see that I'm not as contagious as I should be in spreading this good news for the world. It's not enough like the cold that's been spreading around recently. Everyone seems to be catching it. And no matter how much you try to contain it, you seem to pass it on, spreading it all over the place. Good news can't be contained. It's contagious. It's like that. I remember very vividly the day my son Glenn was born. And just about an hour after his birth, I remember standing outside the front of the hospital, a mobile phone to my ear, struggling to get a reception. Isn't it funny, you can never get a reception when you need to get a reception. And when you don't want to be phoned, people always find a way. Well, eventually I got a reception and I'd waited till a reasonable hour in the morning and I started to phone. Started to phone family. My parents, my in-laws, my brother, 
wider family, friends, Peter, or, or Pastor, a few others. Some I spoke to on the phone, others I text. Have you heard the good news? It's great news. His name's Glenn. Friends, Jesus' birth is good news, not just for one family and some friends. It's good news for the world. Are we sharing it? Are we excited about this? Or are we more excited when we talk about our favourite hobby? Two people know we love fishing, but they don't know we love Jesus. And I'm not just taking on fishing, it could be anything, it could be shopping or, or a, a job that we like to talk about. This Christmas, will we give our friends something that they really need? How many of them really need more material things? Another Christmas card. This is what you give to the person who has everything materially at Christmas, but has nothing spiritually. We should be proclaimers of the good news. And yet also notice, while we're doing this, we don't forget to rejoice in it. For these shepherds were not just proclaimers of the good news, they were also praisers of God. For the shepherds returned. Significant, isn't it, that the shepherds didn't abandon their jobs? They went back to their hillside, back to their sheep. But they filled the hillside with a new song. They were new people, praising and glorifying God for all the things they had heard and seen. Christianity should be a joy-filled faith. A Christian without joy is like sticky toffee pudding without custard. Or at least that's my thought. I was trying to think of the best illustration. It shouldn't happen. Hearers who become believers should become praisers. Glory to God in the highest isn't just a privy song for angels. It should be our song. Those on earth on whom God's favour rests. I'm almost finished this talk. We began by talking about surprises and I imagine that some of those staff, that some of the staff members of HMV Princess Street will be sitting down for their Christmas meal with family and friends and if they haven't seen them for a while they'll be telling them the story about how they met the Prime Minister a few weeks ago. This Christmas, you could be telling a far more amazing story to your relatives and to your friends. Not that you met the PM, or the Queen, or a celebrity, or even, far more remarkably, an angel. But that you met Jesus Christ this Christmas. In order to do that, you've got to have heard about him. That's why I ask, first of all, have you heard the good news? Providing you haven't been slipping through this sermon or had your fingers in your ears and you've heard it however feebly, you have a responsibility. So if so, have you stepped out in faith? Have you checked the good news? Not endlessly seeking to verify every last corner of your doubt, but stepping out in faith. And if both of these answers are yes, are you spreading the good news? If you're not a Christian tonight, you can't share this wonderful message. And yet that could change. Tonight you can receive this good news as the shepherds did long ago. You can come to know Jesus Christ 
who died on the cross for your sins, to be your Saviour, to be your Lord, to be your friend. You can have the joy, not only for this life and this Christmas, but beyond this life and death to eternal life. If that's what you want, if that is what you need this evening, I should say, then what are you waiting for? The challenge tonight is to respond to God's good news. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity, we occasionally do this at the end of the service, to respond. And if God's been speaking to you tonight, then I say to you, don't procrastinate, don't hesitate. But be like the shepherds and respond immediately in trust and in faith. I'm just going to simply pray a prayer. And if you want to make this prayer your prayer, you can do that. I wouldn't just say the words quite slowly and then leave a little pause. And in that gap, you can echo the words if you believe them in your own mind. If this isn't appropriate for you, and it won't be for everyone, then why don't you pray something that is appropriate for your situation? Well, let's just pause for a moment and then we'll pray.